0: Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcast. Thank you and we hope you enjoy. I'm Pastor Sean and uh, we are going to continue in our series in Galatians. Last week we covered week one, which we kind of covered and unpacked chapter one. This week we're going to dive into chapter two. So, This series, we're just gonna be kinda going through the book of Galatians, and we'll hit the other books that Paul wrote, but it's a little different format, so if you wanna grab your Bible, we'll have the words up on the screen. We'll be using the New Living Translation, but um, we're just gonna kinda unpack every little thing, and maybe God will speak to you. Maybe there's something that pulls up from the scripture, so we'll just kinda track, but the main theme I wanna camp out at is on verse 20, and the idea and the title of this message is what is your motivation what is your motivation why do you do the things that you do so i'm excited about getting to the end of my message but stick with me through and uh, we'll go ahead and do that so let's just go ahead and pray and we'll dive right in here to galatians heavenly father thank you for your word um god thank you for the worship um we just We just invite you here. We know you're here. And so, Lord, would you speak to us? Would you really illuminate things from your word that would be unique and individual for each and every one? In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, um, just to give you a little context with this, we kind of covered a little last week, but Paul has been converted right around 35 AD. So he's writing the book of Galatians in about 55 AD. So you're seeing a a blend and a mix of Jews who were following the Old Testament, the Torah, and then Jesus comes on the scene and he goes to the cross and he just dispenses this new grace. And so the Jews are still kind of wrestling with the idea of following the Jewish traditions along with the grace and then Gentiles are like, this is amazing because before, Jesus says, hey, this is for the Jews and the Gentiles. So now everybody who wasn't of Jewish, Jewish descent can now receive the goodness and the grace and the forgiveness that Jesus offers. So Paul kicks off um, with verse 1 in chapter 2. He says, Fourteen years later, I went back to Jerusalem again, this time with Barnabas, and Titus came along too. I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. So looking at this verse, the things that pop out to me is, number one, Paul was directed by God to go and I feel like God has an assignment for you and for me and for us as a church that when we are commissioned to go we should be prepared to go and then the flip side to that is if I'm not on mission or my assignment hasn't been given to me yet I don't need to be discouraged about that I don't need to ask myself well what's wrong with me why am I not but using this time of waiting to prepare yourself to getting into God's word, to building your character. So that's some things that pop up to me. Also, I look at Paul, and he chose people to accompany him. And Barnabas, I tell you what, Barnabas, for some reason, is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. I love Barnabas because he encouraged Paul. As Paul was going on, he hit some hard, hard times, and Barnabas was there to encourage him. So as you're on mission, as you're doing life, we're designed to do it with everybody. We're designed to do it in community. So God's given us assignment of all, the, the passage keeps going um, in verse two. While I was there, I met privately with those who considered to be, excuse me, I met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church and shared with them the message that I had been preaching to the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement for fear of all my efforts had been wasted while I was running the race for nothing. So right when Paul gets on scene, he goes directly to the leaders of the churches. And he's saying, hey, here's why I'm here. Here's the message that God wanted me to give to the people, to the church, to the Jews, to the Gentiles. And if he knew that if those leaders were not on the same page as him, he would give this message. And when he left, the leaders would undo his words because he knew that the leaders had relationship with the people. So he went directly to the leaders and said, hey, here's the message that God's given me. And those leaders were totally on point, and they were on the same page. And they said, supported, they supported me, and they didn't demand that my companion Titus be circumcised. Although he was a Gentile, even the question came up only because some so-called believers were there, some false ones, really, who, secretly, uh, who were secretly brought in. They sneaked in to spy on us and to take away the freedom we have in Christ Jesus. They wanted to enslave us and force us to follow their Jewish regulations. Um, In the first chapter, he was talking about twisting the truth. So again, what's going on is these people said, hey look, in order for you to earn God's grace, you have to follow Jewish traditions. In order for you to really be a part of God's family, you should be circumcised. You should do this. You should do this. You should do this. And Paul's saying, time out. This is a new message. Jesus has come to save us, and it's a free gift of salvation. And so we have to be mindful that there are some people who want to speak into our lives. There are some people who love to have influence. They want to control your life they want you to, it gives them a sense of power. So we need to be mindful that we need to really pay attention to those who are letting into our lives to influence us. And Paul said to them, hey, I don't care what your motivation is, I'm gonna refuse to give in to them for even a single minute because I wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message for you. He says, hey look, this is a message from God. I am going to give this message of salvation and this gift of grace and I'm going to present it to the people like I heard it from God so I don't care what your intentions are but here's the message that God's given to speak to me in verse 6 he goes on he says the leaders of the church had nothing to add to what I was preaching Um, this is great I love that this is in the Bible it says by the way their reputation as great leaders made no difference for me because God has no favorites did you know that God has no favorites. Underline that in your Bible. You see, you don't have to be intimidated by others. You don't have to be intimidated by their gifts or their assignment or, man, they're so glitzy and da-da-da-da. You're important in the kingdom of heaven. Your gifts, your story, your background, you are going to be used in different ways. So don't compare yourself because God has No favorites. I love that. I love that that's in the Bible. And so Paul, in in chapter, uh, in verse 7, he goes on to kind of explain his assignment. He says, God has given me the responsibility of preaching the gospel, the good news, to the Gentiles just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. For the same God worked through Peter and the apostle to the Jews as he worked through me to the apostle of the Gentiles. So Paul was really keying into the responsibility to the Gentiles, and Peter was working with the Jews. And so Paul was not jealous of Peter. They each had a unique assignment. And again, th- the idea is not to compare each other's gifts, not to compare each other's talents and be like, they're better than me. We're all a part of God's body, and we're all uniquely made. To glorify Him and to benefit the kingdom of God. So the question is, is do you look at others' gifts and others' talents? There's no way I could lead worship like David. Give him a hand, by the way. <laughs> you would not want that. That would be a that'd be a train wreck. Ask my wife, huh? But do you look at people like this and be like, you know what? There's no way I'm even close to as good as that. I'm just gonna sit on the bench. I don't have anything to add because I don't have anything to add like this person does. Do you believe that God has given you a ministry? If you don't, then God can't use you in that. But I believe that you're uniquely positioned to minister to those that God puts in your path. And you're able to reach your coworkers and I couldn't reach them. You have relationship with your neighbors, with your friends, with your family, that God has uniquely wired you to pray for, you to give hope to, you to minister. And and (laughs) Ephesians 4.12 says that it's our job, it's the leaders, it's the elders, it's my job to equip you, the saints, to do the work of the ministry. Let me say that again. (laughs) It's my job to equip you, to do the work of the ministry. And I, I like those seats. Those are padded seats. I spent years in those seats. And now, for some reason, I got the microphone. And it just felt like, oh, that's good. But I always associated, that's his job. That's their job. They're getting, They're getting paid to do this. They're good at ministry, way better than me. You don't have to be good. You just have to be available. You have to be available for God to use you because you are uniquely made to serve us and to help and to serve those around you. And Streams Church has got a, a mission to this community and that's why I love, I love seeing what God is doing in this body. Um, in verse nine it continues, it says, in fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized, say recognized, recognized the gift of God had given me. They accepted Barnabas and me as their coworkers They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continue to work with the Jews. What stands out to me is that they recognized the talents and the gifts and the ministry that Paul had. Could you imagine if Paul just said, you know what, I'm not really that equipped. I'm not really that gifted. But there's people that recognized that calling in their life. And that's why, I mean, Pastor Boyd, he said, you recognize the gifts in me that I didn't even know were there. So always look out for people that you see God work and speak it out to them because it could really make a great difference in their life. Verse 10, it says that their only suggestions, those were leaders in the church, they said, hey, keep in mind helping the poor as well. And Paul says, I love doing that. And I think that's a great point to kind sit of sit in because as Christians, as Christ followers, God came, for the lowly, for the marginalized, for the weak, for the lame, for the lepers. And so if we call ourselves followers of Christ, if we fo- call ourselves Christians, and we completely neglect that people group, who are we? We are called to help all people, the marginalized, the poor, the homeless, the people in different affluencies and all different cultures. Like, God, uniquely wires each and every one. And so we want to make sure that we are mindful of of those people as well. In verse 11, this is kind of where I feel like the story shifts a little bit. Um, This is where I want you to kind of put back in your memory. Do you remember the school cafeteria days? (laughs) You get your tray and then you look around and you're like, what table am I going to sit in? So think about that when you read these verses, because this is kind of like the cool club story part, right? Um, verse 11, it says, when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him face to face, for what he did was very wrong. So Paul is coming against Peter. Oh my gosh, what did he do? He got totally in his face. Here's what Peter did. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. They were good enough to eat with. He has this little tray. Oh, hey, guys. Hey, hanging out with these guys. But then James, cool James, if you got, I mean, James Dean, cool James, right? Cool James come, and he says, hey, come eat with us. Some friends, some Jews. And Peter then wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore because he was afraid of the criticism that came from people who insisted on the necessity of being circumcised. So James says, hey, Paul hey Peter come eat over here and then he starts eating with these Jews and they're like how can you eat with those guys they're uncircumcised that's important right so just right now you might have flashbacks of like the cool jock group right or the really popular kids right or do you remember where the uncircumcised Gentiles ate their lunch we all remember that table right I don't even know why that was a thing back then we laugh at that but the idea is, is there's hoops that you have to jump through. To, in order to get to this club, you've got to dress a certain way. In order to be over here with this group, you have to play sports. Or to be over here, you have to, you have to be in the play and the drama. Hey, shout out to the Mozart group. We had so many people. So many people. Um, Mozart actually uses our facilities to play. It's a homeschool group, but they did a great theater production and a lot of our kids were in it, a lot of our youth, so um, even adults, Randy, and it was great, so it was cool. Anyhow, back to the hoops. Um, Susie, could you get me the hoops? Look at this great prop I brought you today. Let's bring them all. Let's bring them all. So, it might not be circumcision hoops that you have to jump through, but (laughs) here's the idea. I have to jump through this hoop to impress these people. Or man, I wanna be I wanna, I wanna hang out with that famous person over here, so I gotta present myself in this way and I gotta jump through this hoop. Or you know what? I wanna be with these spiritual people over here, so I gotta jump through this hoop. Or oh I gotta I gotta be with these people so I gotta get my kids into these sports. Or I have to get into sports over here, or I gotta do all this, I gotta i got to impress my in-laws or my family, and you got to jump through all these hoops in order to be with these people. Paul says, you know what? You don't have to do any of that anymore. Spiritually, you don't have to do any of that because God saved us, and His grace is for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. And it's not grace plus anything. It's not grace and circumcision. It's not grace and baptism. It's not grace and church attendance. All those things are good, But we're saved because of the work of the cross. And the only hoop that we have to jump through is, it's in the Bible. Don't worry about it. We'll get to it. (laughs) Um, Here here it goes on. It says, um, Galatians uh, 2.16, it says, um, Yet we know that the person is made right with God by what? By faith. So the hoop of faith is the only hoop that we have to jump through in order to get through Christ. We have to believe Christ is who he says he is. We have to believe that he's the son of God, that he went to the cross, that he died for our sin, and we have to receive that. But we don't have to do any of these other hoops. They're dead to us. And just for fun, last week I shared the history of an idiom, so I thought I'd keep my trend going for this week. So the idiom this week is jumping through hoops. That actually came from the circus, where circus trainers and people, they would actually use fear and intimidation and whips to have the animals jump through the, cir- jump through the hoops. And I think, wow, that's so applicable today. We have social norms that require us to jump through hoops. And the problem with jumping through hoops is once you jump through the hoop, and once you say, here's the type of person I am, you now have to keep jumping through that hoop in order to keep their acceptance. You have to keep jumping through the hoop of the religious to keep their acceptance. Because once you stop doing that, then now you're not accepted. And so what's wild is I imagine that those Gentiles were like, you know what? What's up with that, Peter? We used to be okay. You used to be okay with eating with us. And now you're not? I imagine that offended them and that hurt them. So even way back in the early church, there was church hurt and offense. And I'm so glad that after 2,000 years, we have worked that out, and now no one, everybody's great at church, no offense, right? Still, we're still people. There were people back then, and there's people here. We get hurt at church. But the message is Jesus, not people not impressing people so Paul continues on he says we're right with God by faith in Jesus not by obeying the law and we have believed in Jesus Christ so that we might be made right with God because of again our faith in Christ not because we've obeyed the law for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless for keeping the law For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there'd be no need for Christ to die. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but if there was another way for us to to have forgiveness, then Christ wouldn't have to die. And even we see in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's, he's praying to God the Father, if there's any other way, please take this cup from me. Take this cup of suffering and the cross from me. But yet, not my will, but your will be done. See, we have to believe that it's through Jesus that we find salvation. Because if there's any other way, then that would be very cruel of God to let a son die like that. That'd be unnecessary and harsh. But it's truly through Jesus that we find exception, find salvation and acceptance. And we don't have to work and fight to earn God's approval. Our good works are not substitute for our faith. And I, I think about um, Tim and Becca, where are they? Are oh, they back there? How many more weeks for the, till the baby comes? Two. So I was thinking of you guys as I was putting this message together. And I thought, you know what, just like we don't have to work to, a, to earn God's approval, like Tim and Becca, they are emotionally engaged with their child, right? You don't even know if it's a boy or girl, right? You do? You know, okay. <laughs> but they love that child already. They love that child. It hasn't done any chores for them and it hasn't emptied the dishwasher or mowed the lawn. Like they are in love with that child and they haven't even held it. They don't even know whether it's a boy or a girl. Plus Val and all the other bastards they love that child too, right? Where's Val? <laughs> Everybody's excited. That's the type of excitement and love that God has for you and you're not accepted by what you do or your works but what's your motivation in doing that? What's your motivation in doing that? And that leads us to verse 19 and 20 and these are mega verses. You're probably really familiar with them. He says, for when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me, so I died to the law. I died to those hoops. I stopped trying to meet all the requirements so that I might live for God and my old sight, old self has been crucified with Christ past tense crucified I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna live up to people's standards I'm not gonna do that because I can't please God and people at the same time he says I've been crucified with Christ it's no longer I who live but Christ lives in me so that I live in this earth, earthly body by trusting the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me there's so much in that, so much in that verse But look at how the verse ends. Let's start with that. It says, God loved me and he gave himself for me. And that's the story of the good news. (laughs) And that it started with love and it ended with love. And Peter says, or Paul says, I've stopped. I've died to jumping through these hoops. That's not what I'm about. And on the cross, Jesus says, forgive them, for they know not what they do. On the cross, he says, it's finished. His work was done and then he rose from the dead over 10 times the gospel records him being seen by people he validated everything he did in his ministry and he says i go to make and prepare a place for you and i i've never seen this in this verse until this last week but paul says i live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of god and i thought to me i thought to myself you know what it's not easy living in earthly bodies. <laughs> Teenagers, you don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> but it is, it requires trust and faith to live in earthly bodies that are breaking down, that are susceptible to disease and sickness, susceptible to susceptible to just breaking down. And it's a painful process. And that's why God says, you know what, These are just your earthly bodies. And he talks about a spiritual body, a new body that we're going to get. But for those, I just thought, man, there's so many people suffering in their earthly bodies. My prayer is that God can, and we're praying for a miraculous healing in you. But also, Paul said that he had a thorn in his side, and he pleaded with God to take it away. And I know that when you're hurting And when you're just under suffering and pain, you're pleading for God to take it away. And many of us know the part in Scripture where it says, "My, my grace is made perfect in this weakness. But may you be strengthened with trust and in faith as you live in your earthly bodies. And that trust and that faith will not be in vain. Amen? Um. As we kind of put this message together, um, I I came up with just kind of a recap of everything, and it's not that we have to earn this, but really that we receive this. And so I came up with some of the different things that it talks about in chapter two, and we need to receive that God loves us and gave Himself for us. We need to receive that God has no favorites. We need to receive and believe. That I'm accepted in advance, not by my good works. And in response to what Jesus has done, in response to this scripture, that I die to the law. I'm done with these hoops. This is exhausting. It's tiring to, to try to please people. I'm done with this. I die to this, that I might live for God and to trust that cr- in Christ, I live in my earthly body, knowing that God is the God of my future and that God is my He is the God of my present help, and then finally, just rest in knowing that that God knows best God knows best. I want to invite the worship team up and as they're coming up, I want to share about this one movie let me let me move all these hoops away jeez but in uh In 1998, this movie came out. It was Saving Private Ryan, and Tom Hanks was the lead actor in this, and um, if you haven't seen the the movie, I'm gonna spoil it right now for you. I'm not saying that you should see it, but um, in this movie, um, a woman sent her four sons out to battle, World War II, and three of them were killed, and they found out about it, and they said, go retrieve and save this last I don't want this mother to lose all of her children. So get him away from enemy lines and pull him out. And so they task Tom Hanks' character to go save Private Ryan, who was played by Matt Damon. And so this whole movie was about all the different drama and challenges that Tom Hanks had to find this one soldier and save him from the battlefield. And at the end of the movie, the enemy is just firing down, and Tom Hanks shot and he finally finds this private Ryan and he does his job to save him from the the battle but as Tom Hanks was in his last dying breath he turns to this boy and he says look at all around you 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 It's finished. You're done. You're accepted. You're loved. That's the motivation. That's why we love our neighbors. We don't earn his merit. It's given to us. And so I want you to strip away the hoops that you're jumping through. The people you're trying to impress. The people that you're trying to gain favor for.